Welcome to the Axe Church Leander podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m. Good morning. So today's reading comes from James 2, verses 18 through 26. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I by my works will show you faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is worthless? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and by works faith was brought to completion. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Lord God, you're good. Lord God, you have a plan. And this world desperately needs a God who has a plan. But Lord, not just this world needs a God with a plan, Lord. Our families here in this church need a God with a plan. I need a God with a plan. And so, Father, Lord, as we start to unpack what your plan is for your children, Lord, I pray that you speak. I pray that you use this time to draw us closer to you. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So again, we are going through the entire book of James and this is one of those times where I forgot how much I liked the book of James. Uh, I've gone through the Bible multiple times. Uh, I'm in the Bible a lot as a pastor. Uh, but this was the first time in a while that I actually read through the entire book. And as I was reading through, I'm like, oh my gosh, there is so much good stuff in here. And what really draws me into the book of the James, the reason why I get excited about it, is because it really is talking about how do we live by faith? What does that look like? And I, I want to define terms here because faith is a word that sometimes we get mixed up, kind of like how we get the word love mixed up. Because sometimes we hear the word love, right? And we think of that warm, mushy feeling you have, right? Maybe when you're dating and you're smitten and your heart just kind of flutters every time they text you, right? So that's, that's early relationship love. You, you get into marriage and the text messages don't always send the same level of flutters in your stomach, right? But, but love is not just the emotion, it's actually the action. And so when we look at Scripture, when God is talking about love, yes, there's emotion there, but it is, a lo- it is an emotion, it's a reality that drives us to act. Faith is the same way. Our faith in who we believe God is draws us, emboldens us to do something. And so if you, like me, have ever wondered, okay, I believe in Jesus, but what do I do now? What, what am I supposed to do? James is the book for you. James is the book for me, because it literally unpacks how do we live by faith? How do we act in faith? James chapter 1, if you open your journals, if you go just a couple pages back, what you'll see is James is writing to the church that is in dysphoria. It's been the church that has been scattered. 
the church that doesn't know where it's at anymore? Do you guys ever feel like the church doesn't know where it's at? Do you ever feel like your own faith doesn't know where it's at? Then James is the book for you. James is the book for me. It is a book of action. It's a book of, oh, so you believe in Jesus, so what? And for that, there's a lot of good stuff here. And so James starts off, right into it it goes. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. I love this because James starts off by talking about how we treat other people, not with favoritism, and he directly ties it into because you believe in Jesus— I need you to treat people differently. Because you believe in Jesus, I don't want you to show favoritism. Another translation you could actually put would be, I don't want you to discriminate against people. And then slowly but surely, he gets into very practical ways that all of us, myself at the front of the line, start to discriminate or show favoritism. He gives a description. He says, for if a man is wearing a gold ring and, and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabbing clothing also comes in, but if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you, you stand over there, or you, you sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James is describing a church service. He goes, imagine if someone rolls in in the newest Escalade. And him and his wife, they've got Louis Vuitton on, they've got the right watches, they're dressed a lot better than your pastor, right? And you're like, oh, that guy, that's someone we should invest in. And someone else comes in, and they're dressed more like Josh, right? And, 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 and maybe they don't look the right way, or they don't smell the right way. It's just clear that they, they don't have the same physical means. James is describing a situation, and he goes, it is going to be your natural inclination to show favoritism in that moment. And this is the big thing here. James is describing transactional relationships. And all of us are in transactional relationships. Any of you who have a job are in a literal transactional relationship with your employer. I will teach these kids. I will write this software. I will do these things, and you will then write me a check. Right? So all of us in this world that we call Earth, in America, in China, everywhere, we live in transactional relationships. But it's not just always money. It's also how we look at our friends. Oh, man, that guy, he's a fun guy to hang out with. Eh, he's kind of a buzzkill. Right? And, and so we treat people like that. What can they offer me? And what can I offer them? Right? And you want to keep the wheel of good karma going. right? And so you help out, so then they help you out. Transaction, this is covered all around the world. And yet what we see within the kingdom of faith and living by faith is God says, guys, I... I don't want you to live under transactional relationships. Because what we're going to see is that's not how God treats us, but it's how this world is put together, and it's where all the breakdown comes from. And what we're going to see really quickly is how far, how broken the world is when we live in transactional relationships. 
Continuing on, James says, So listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. And are not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court, are they not the ones who blasphemy the honorable name by which you were called? See, God doesn't judge us by human accomplishments. Jesus does not judge us by human accomplishments, which is good because our accomplishments don't get us very far. But what James is telling them in the story is like it's kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword mentality. When you want to play the transactional relationship game, it will eventually, always, end the same way because eventually we, we can't pay the transaction fee. Maybe literally, but we'll lose our job. We'll lose our status. Or we get older. And we can't provide the way we used to. We can't think the way we used to. Transactional relationships is an earthly way of doing life that always ends the same way in brokenness, in isolation, in not seeing the world through God's eyes, but seeing it distorted. James goes on, if you really were to fulfill the, law, the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well, but if you show partiality, discrimination, you are committing sin and convicted of the law as a transgressor. Treating people with equity is what he's arguing for, not equality. And this is something that we, we, we get wrong in Scripture a lot. We think God's going to treat us all equal. God does not treat any of us equally. Oh, sorry. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you all the same stuff. Some of you in this room, some of you on this live stream make more than others. Some of you had it easier growing up. Some of you had it a lot harder growing up. It's not about equality. It's about equity. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. You, you wouldn't look in the mirror and be like, man, I don't want him to have any good things. Because I, right? Like, we, we, we so often think, well, I, our, own, our sinful nature drags us into, I didn't get that, so why should they get it? I didn't have that leg up, so why should, I ha- uh, so why should they have it, that leg up? This transactional, relational mentality destroys relationships and is countercultural to what our God is doing. And it breaks down everything. It breaks down every relationship and it leads us to very broken thinking. And again, guys, I stand at the front of the line here a simple story, but one that proves the point. Zach was there. He remembers this. Last week, I went out to go uh, watch the Lions lose. I, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, and uh, we went to a bar. We ordered drinks. And we had a very nice young waiter who was very new. I have to emphasize, very, very new and very, very slow. And all I wanted to do was have my drink. It was a long day and watch the game. And this waiter 
did not come. And I had a service person who was supposed to do a transaction with me. You bring drink, I give tip, the wheel keeps on spinning, but he didn't do what I wanted him to. And I got so pitiful. I was this little angry... Because I, I wanted a transactional relationship in the moment. Do you know who that was, though? That was another human being that God brought into my life that was created in God's image that in that moment, because I was looking through a transactional mentality, I treated him as inhuman. I treated him as an object. An object that wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And y'all, that's sin. It's broken. And it's not just when we get food or when we're driving down the road. It's in our marriages when we treat transactionally. It's in our politics. It's in all of it. When we treat people like objects or only as good as what they can do for us, we're sinning. And what we see in James is that we ha- it's all or nothing. For whoever keeps the whole law but falls in one point, you have become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, don't murder. So if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Y'all, sin is way more insidious than we realize. This transactional, relational stuff is way more insidious than we realize. And it's an all-or-nothing proposition God gives us. He doesn't say, all right, Josh, when you are the pastor of the church, that's when all the grace comes out of you. But when you are sitting at Brooklyn Heights, then you get to be tra- transactional relationship. God. No. He says, if you were good here, but you weren't so good here, it's all or nothing. And y'all, sin is insidious, and it comes out in weird spaces, in weird places. It's infected all of us, but there is good news. James doesn't just end there. So I hope none of you broke the law, because at that point, we'd all be done. He continues on, though. He says, so speak and act as those who have been judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has been shown mercy. For you see, mercy triumphs over judgment. God's grace is bigger than even the insidiousness of sin. And so we're going to do a confession absolution. We're not going to invite the kids out yet. We're only halfway through this. But I do want to stop here because I think this is a good place for us all to admit, you know what, we all play the transactional relationship game sometimes. Uh, We've all fallen short. But then also to hear the words of forgiveness that God shows us mercy. I'd invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is so easy to fall into the trap of using people for what they can give us. Whether it's financial, whether it's status, whether it's making us laugh, Lord God, to create and to sustain relationships that are built on self-serving means. Lord God, and we all come before you in confession that we, we all fall into that trap. Lord, but we are bold to confess because your word says mercy triumphs over judgment in who you showed yourself to be in Christ. 
forgives us and renews us and strengthens us, delivers us from sin. And so Acts Church Leander in person, Acts Church Leander online, hear this clearly, your sins are forgiven, they are remembered no more. Amen. James continues on. So what good is it, my brothers? If someone has faith but does not have works, can such a faith save him? All right, so now we're going to transition a little bit because every denomination has blind spots, right? Every single denomination, whether you're Lutheran like us, if you're Baptist, if you're non-denominational, charismatic, Catholic, all of us have blind spots. And typically the blind spot comes out of where your denomination was birthed, right? So every denomination comes out of almost universally some conflict, right? Some challenge that was going on, and Lutheranism is no different. Lutherans were the first Protestant break from the Catholic Church that survived an Inquisition, right? So we were the first ones who made it. And what broke us away from the Catholic Church was Luther trying to work his way to heaven. At that time, the Catholic Church essentially had a Uh, a theology that said Jesus and. Yes, Jesus is how you get to heaven, but also all the other stuff you do, all the amount that you give to the church, all the amount of prayers you say. And so Luther, wanting to be a good Christian growing up in the Catholic church, did everything he could for the and side of the equation. But, but it was never enough. He, he never felt God's love. He never felt like he had built the tower high enough to actually reach heaven because he was still broken. He was still sinful. And so Luther started reading the scriptures, and what he found was God just says, no, 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 it's just me. It's just Jesus. Grace alone. God's mercy alone. Christ alone is how we get to heaven. All right? That, that's what literally started Lutheranism. Makes sense. It's a good truth. It's a good foundation. The problem is that, like all of us, if you become a hammer, everything's a nail. And so Luther is reading through James, and he reads scripture like this, where, again, I want to go back just here you go. What good is it, my friends, if someone has faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? Luther reads that, and he starts freaking out. He's like, no, 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 it's just Jesus. This is going to confuse people. And so Luther at one point tried to get the book of James removed from the Bible. That's how drastic he would go to stop this book from happening because he was so worried people were going to fall back into working our way to heaven. But, But that's not what James is doing. More importantly, that's not the question James is answering. James is answering... The question, y'all, how do we live as Christians? Not how do we get to heaven? And it's understanding that that then allows us as Christians to figure out, okay, so what does this mean for our lives? So, continuing on. So if a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith that does not have works is dead. Again, a very practical story. Suppose you see someone, suppose God brings someone into your life who has physical needs, and your response is to spiritualize it. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. I hope that works out. And then you just bounce. 
James is like, no, 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 no. That, that is not faith that is alive. That is faith that is D-E-A-D. Dead. Not living. Not moving. Because faith isn't just what we think, and we're going to see that in a second. Faith pushes us to action. Faith pushes us to live, not in transactional relationships. Well, you're poor. You have a lot of needs. I don't really want to have a transaction with you right now. It's not going to be my favor. Instead, no, 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 it, it doesn't work. James goes on. But someone will say, well, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you faith by my works. James just dismisses out of hand talking a good game. And again, this is somewhere where I think as Lutherans we have to be honest that like we get it wrong sometimes. We think God cares about us getting the test right. Do, do you know all the right answers? Do you know who never does that? Jesus. He never tells people, oh, as long as you know that I am true God and true man, as long as you know the right Bible verses to answer, that that's your ticket to heaven. It's not a propositional list that gets us there. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's belief that moves us to action. James goes on. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the, even the demons believe that in shudder. Again, God's not impressed by us answering a test. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed that God was counted to him as righteous, and he was called a friend of God. Okay, we got to pause here, because this is interesting. Because James makes the argument, hey, Abraham's faith with Isaac, he did something. And that faith was shown as alive. Ironically, Paul uses this exact same story to make a very different argument because they were answering different questions. Paul, in the early church, was arguing against a culture that said, Jesus and. Jesus and all of these cultural marks like circumcision and having a specific way to do the Sabbath and a specific church calendar. And so Paul hears that group, Jesus and, and he's like, no, 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 no. Abraham, again, this comes from Galatians, so I ask again, does God give his spirit and work his miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you have heard? So Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Same exact verse. And to answer the question, how do you get in relationship with God? It is belief. It is faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. Luther called them the three solas. Right? We, we don't earn our way to heaven. Heaven already came down here. But what James says, or and what James says, 
is yes, it is faith alone, but it is faith that drives us to action that makes us alive because we can't be alive and dead at the same time. And so God has something for us to do as his people. Abraham had both faith and belief and action. Now you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Uh, This word here, justified, um, can also be translated is made complete or essentially confirmed. Let me think about Confirmation Sunday. The action, the movement, the life confirms that the faith is real confirms that it's true, confirms that it's doing something in us and doing something in the world. It's testimony to what God is doing in our lives when we act and live in accordance to who he's called us to be. But again, it's an and. We read this with our confirmation students. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works. You'll not build your tower so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, centered in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For those of you who are using your notebooks, scribbling down on the sides, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, would be a great place in this spot in James. Because it's a both and. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but it is faith that makes us alive to do those good works that God prepared for us to do, that God prepared for our confirmants to do that God prepares for every generation going forward. And then James ends with this story. It says, And in the same way was not also the prostitute Rahab justified by works when she received from the messengers sent from them and then sent them out another way. For as the body is apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works is dead. He uses the story of Rahab the prostitute. Not what you would normally think of as the really spiritual person. But that story is all about a woman who saw what God was doing and counterculturally brought in God's people and protected God's people. She had faith in that God, and that faith spurred her to action. And what James says is, faith without works, faith without life, faith without movement is dead. And y'all, God does not want you to have a dead faith. Another way to look at this, we don't get to have faith in Jesus without following him. Let me say that. We don't get to have faith in Jesus without following him. And none of us do it perfect. We all fall back into transactional relationships. I mean, as pastor, our elders, our staff. But the truth that, yes, we are saved by grace and grace alone, through faith and faith alone, and yet that faith makes us alive and then calls us to something beyond ourselves. That's actually good news. The fact that we don't have to live in a world of transactional relationships, but instead we are called to do something different. We are called to be something different. To serve and to love as representatives of Jesus. 
And now we will pray. And I invite you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Father, Lord, you're good even when we fall into old habits. Father, Lord, you're good so much so that you continually share your grace and your mercy over us that we may be alive, Lord, and that in our life we may live to serve and to honor you, Lord, to love our neighbor as ourself, to be drawn closer to you. See us all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at actschurchleander.com.